Episode 81 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on June 18th, 2018. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, my good friends from the Passionately Casual podcast interview Charles Boyd and Eric Musco. I'll share my thoughts on what they had to say about the Rishi Stronghold, PvP, and the upcoming expansion. Last week, Bioware announced some major changes for Hutball. Some of those changes have now changed. I'll have the details just ahead. Finally this week, I continue my story project with Quesh, and I'll talk a little bit about Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And with that, it's time to make the jump to Lightspeed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Welcome to episode 81 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. If you haven't tried the nightlife event this year, time is running out. The Greedy Huts will shut down their casinos on June 30th, where they will then spend the next year counting all of the credits they swindled from us once again. Bounty Contract Week returns on June 26th and will end on July 2nd. And then hopefully after that, we'll get Game Update 5.9.2. No word on a release date for that, nor has there been any update on getting it onto the public test server for us to try. I've got a bit of a sad announcement to make now. Sam from SWOTOR Central has called it a career and will no longer be doing videos, news, and commentary for Star Wars The Old Republic. Here's what Sam had to say to all of his fans. It has become clear over the past few months that my position at SWOTOR Central is not being fulfilled and a new successor shall rise to take on the role. SWOTOR Central never really was just me, it was all of us together. It deeply saddens me that my time has come, but it's time for me to move on and focus on my career and children. I will be passing the torch over to someone you all know and love and who I believe will do the name justice. As to who will be the new caretaker for Swotor, Swotor Central, well, it's none other than fellow Bioware influencer, the Swotor Guy. I had the pleasure of having the Swotor Guy on episode 63 of this podcast back in December. I'm sure he'll do a great job producing the type of content that fans of Swotor Central are used to. Good luck to you, Sam, and congratulations to the Swotor Guy. That's all the announcements I have for this week, so let's slice the holonet and get to the news. The big news this week is that my good friends from the Passionately Casual podcast had Charles Boyd and Eric Musco on their show for an interview. In the interview, they talked about the Rishi Stronghold, the PvP changes, testing everything on the PTS, and the upcoming expansion. Regarding the Rishi Stronghold, Charles said it has a real space pirate vibe, which it should. It will have a mix of areas, including a beach section and a pirate shanty town. Eric and Charles said that it is the biggest stronghold by far, both in terms of hooks and real estate, which means it's probably expensive. Of course, Rishi is the first stronghold to support organized PvP. There won't be a queue system for Rishi, but there will be custom decorations that can be used like traps in Hutball. In fact, they said you can run your own personal Hutball match and keep score. 
As much as I hate Hutball, that sounds pretty freaking cool. In terms of the PvP changes, Eric and Charles mostly reiterated what was posted on the forums. I covered all of that last episode. While there wasn't much in the way of new information in the interview, Eric did post some updates on the PvP changes this past week on the forums, including rolling back a major change for Hutball. Remember that hinder mechanic which prevents the use of high mobility actions such as force charge, force speed, and scamper on the ball carrier? Well, that's not going to happen now. According to Eric Musco, although we are fine with tanks being the best ball carriers under the effect of hinder, we hear your concerns that these changes would cause Hutball to become a stalemate too often. We are also sensitive over your feeling that certain classes would be too limited and unable to defend themselves while carrying the Hutball, since many defensive capabilities are tied to movement abilities for several classes. Okay, so hinder is gone, but what about the issues it was meant to address? Well, Bioware is looking to fix those in other ways. In lieu of hinder, the hut will become bored of a single ball carrier and kill them after 45 seconds, down from 2 minutes. To win before time expires, the winning team will need to score 10 times, up from 6. The match will now last for a maximum of 10 minutes, down from 13. Eric went on to say that, the first change is intended to encourage passing the hut ball in increased tension when attempting to turtle for a win in a close match. The latter two changes will adjust how we approach this war zone. If you see hut ball as a sport within SWOTOR, we want to have the war zone play out more as who can score the most points within a 10 minute match, as opposed to race to 6 points to win. This will also ensure that all hut ball matches are 12 minutes or less if you count the pre-match. We hope that these changes, along with our updates in matchmaking, will lead to a lot closer and more compelling Hutball matches. So those are the new proposed changes for Hutball. Now that we know players can organize their own Hutball matches in the Rishi Stronghold, it will be interesting to see if these changes apply there as well. I imagine that they would. Also, for the two of you who play Galactic Starfighter, okay, maybe three, Bioware provided some clarification on the matchmaking changes for GSF. According to Eric, their goals for GSF are to get matches to pop more frequently and get those matches to be more fairly balanced. Eric also stated that cross-faction teams help achieve both of these goals. It makes hitting a critical mass of players to start a match more stable and easier to achieve. It also gives the matchmaker the ability to sort through all of the players to arrange the best possible match. Regarding pre-made groups in GSF, Eric said, Pre-made groups no longer count as the average rating of all the ships. They now count everyone in the group as the same as the highest rated player in the group. The matchmaker will attempt to make the most even teams possible. Given this, a pre-made group with at least one highly experienced player would be more apt to be matched up with less experienced and less upgraded players. Matches should be much more fairly matched across the board after these changes are put into place. This admittedly does not cure every ill caused by pre-made groups of highly skilled players, but it should help to mitigate the issues and improve the quality of matches across the board. Whether or not the proposed changes will meet their intended goals remains to be seen. However, Eric and Charles did reiterate that 5.9.2 will be available on the public test server for us to try before it goes live. One thing they did clarify is that the PTS is only open to subscribers. Other than that, you just need the space to download it. 
It's nice to see Bioware letting us test a game update before it goes live. I really think this is a good thing and I hope that they continue to do this for future updates as well as the upcoming expansion. Speaking of which, the gang at Passionately Casual talked to Eric and Charles about 6.0 and much to no one's surprise, they didn't have much to say about it. Eric and Charles did say that Things were on track for the expansion, but it was still a ways out and they don't want to share any details because things could change. They were unwilling to divulge if it would be a Shadow of Revan style expansion. They did confirm that it will focus on Republic versus Empire. When asked about the significance of the various choices we've made throughout the stories, i.e. who lives and who dies, or if you sided with the Republic or the Empire... They said that they would like to keep the story reflective of those choices as long as possible before picking one or the other. Charles and Eric also said we'd get more story before 6.0 and that more companions are on the way. Darkseid Jason will be back this summer and others like Kem Val will tie into the upcoming story. The only companion that isn't on the calendar yet is Zenith, but he is planning to come back. Clearly, we still have a long wait before the next expansion arrives. I still believe it's coming in early 2019. That said, it does look like they will be laying the groundwork for it story-wise in the very near future, possibly in the form of a prelude to Revan storyline. While we can never get enough new story, the old stories are pretty good and can often tide us over while we wait for the next adventure to arrive. As you know, I've been spending a lot of time revisiting the original class stories and I now want to continue with my story project. What I'm attempting to do is play all eight classes and move them through their class, companion, and planetary stories all at once. The goal is to find a playthrough that works chronologically. I'm not going for canon currently in the middle of Act 2 and, and am quickly approaching the end game. Before I begin, I want to warn you that I'm going to get into spoilers and plot points and play some clips. So if you haven't done all of the class stories or other stories that are part of that 1 to 50 experience, this is your cue to exit. As a reminder, I'm going to refer to these characters as he or she based on the gender I chose for my characters. Just makes it easier to talk about them. There is absolutely nothing about the story that suggests you must choose a specific gender for a class. Although there are certain story moments that you can only experience as male or female, and some of them are quite good. This week, all eight heroes are heading to Quesh for one reason or another, but before I head there, let's recap the story thus far. Here's, what, here's what's happening with the Empire. Darth Vengeon, a member of the Dark Council and Darth Barriss' master, wants war. Barris has tasked his apprentice, the Sith warrior, with executing Plan Zero, which is the elimination of a conglomerate of the Republic's greatest military minds known as the War Trust. The Sith warrior eliminated several members of the War Trust on Terrace, but now finds himself in the middle of a power struggle between Darth Barris and Darth Vengeon. Despite thwarting her master's nefarious plans, the Sith Inquisitor is still not welcome among the ranks of the Sith's elite. Darth Thanaton, Zash's former master, wants the Inquisitor dead. The Inquisitor has learned a Force Walk ability that allows her to bind Force Ghosts and harness their power. She is now on a quest to amass enough power to defeat Thanaton once and for all. Having won the Great Hunt, the Bounty Hunter is now part of the profession's elite. She is now going after targets from the Blacklist, an exclusive group of the most prestigious bounties in the entire galaxy. 
On Terra, she completed her first blacklist bounty by finding and killing Jinkin Kadera. As her fame and reputation grows, the bounty hunter now heads to Quesh for an important endorsement. The Imperial agent has been tasked with infiltrating the Strategic Information Service, a.k.a. the SIS, as a double agent. Posing as a disgruntled cipher agent looking to defect, the agent earns a spot on an SIS team led by a man named Arden Koth. Due to the agent's brazen actions dismantling the Eagle's network and learning the truth about Darth Jadis, Imperial Intelligence had Cypher 9 brainwashed. The SIS knows this secret and now controls Cypher 9's every move. With the help of the mysterious Watcher X, Cypher 9 is now searching for a way to break free of his brainwashing. So that's the story thus far for the Empire. On the Republic side, here is what's happening. The Jedi Knight is working with Jedi Master Tol Braga on a plan to infiltrate the Sith Emperor's hidden fortress and put an end to his reign. The plan is going well, but an apprentice of Braga's has gone missing and the Jedi Knight must travel to Quest to investigate. The Jedi Consular is working with a group of Republic sympathizers known as the Rift Alliance. She has been assisting them in hopes of gaining their full support for the Republic. She recently learned that Addis Station, an important medical research facility, has come under attack by the Empire. The Consular heads to Quesh to find out what happened. The Smuggler continues to work jobs for Darmus Polarin and Republic Senator Dodonna. His latest contract takes him to Quesh. And finally, the Republic Trooper is assembling a team of the Republic's finest troops to destroy a dangerous Imperial weapon known as the Gauntlet. The Trooper heads to Quest to rescue an important team, codenamed the Safecrackers. That's where we are in the story. Let's now head to the poison planet known as Quesh. The recommended order for Quesh is Bounty Hunter, Sith Inquisitor, Sith Warrior, and Imperial Agent for the Empire, with the Agent doing the planetary story. The recommended order for the Republic is Trooper, Smuggler, Consular, Knight, with the Knight doing the planetary story. After playing through all eight stories, I have to say the order doesn't matter. Each class story is self-contained, and they do not intersect. The bounty hunter is on Quest because she thinks she's getting a lucrative endorsement. It turns out to be an SIS trap. The Sith warrior is there to hunt down Republic Admiral Monk, who attacked Darth Vengeance's fleet. The Sith Inquisitor is attempting to rescue her two apprentices, who literally have the key to defeating Darth Thanaton. The Imperial Agent is on Quest to gather chemicals to reboot his brainwashing. The Jedi Knight is there to save Tol Braga's apprentice. The Consular is trying to save Addis Station. The trooper is there to rescue the safe crackers, and the smuggler is there to save a group of other smugglers from the Void Wolf. The order in which the heroes complete their missions doesn't matter, and thus there isn't an established play order for Quesh. As for the planetary story, conventional wisdom suggests that the Imperial side needs to happen first. But on closer inspection, I've come to the conclusion that the Imperial and Republic stories on Quesh are mutually exclusive. In the same way that the Republican Empire can't both defeat Boris Ulgo on Alderaan or find that thing Zerka found on Tatooine, the events on Quesh can't all happen. Take the Imperial story, for instance. 
Here is how that story concludes. Master Frau's dead. Broga's still breathing, but is sworn to the Empire. Excellent. I'd prefer the hut dead, but his cooperation will further infuriate the Republic. You have my thanks, and that of my council. We'd still be fighting over Quesh's minds if not for your help. Does the Empire have something in store for this planet? In time, we will take over the Quesh Venom industry. As for our military, there's still plenty to do. The Republic's still fighting. Help us pile up enough bodies here, they'll retaliate on other planets, then we'll have our war. But first, enjoy your victory. Quesh will soon be ours, and the Republic grows more furious by the day. Now here's what happens in the middle of the Republic story. Do you think you've won? The Republic's hold on Quesh is at an end. I had no idea Jedi were so gullible. All of this has only been a diversion. You never had the strength or the courage to strike the Empire down. And you never will. Captain? Restrain this man and escort him to the Republic base. Moff Drayson is captured or killed by the Republic. Now I know what you're thinking. Couldn't this just happen after the conclusion of the Imperial story? Here's the problem with that. In the Imperial story, you are tasked with killing the heads of the three families. These are huts working for the, with the Republic on Quesh. One of those huts is named Broga. Broga is the only one who appears in both the Imperial and Republic stories. Here is the Imperial encounter with Broga. The Empire could use a loyal servant like you, Broga. Although you have the option to kill him, it clearly doesn't work with the Republic story. And quite frankly, keeping him alive doesn't sink well either. At no point in the Republic story do you get the sense that Broga is playing both sides. In, fa in the final act of the Republic story, Broga is captured by the Empire. You go in and save the day, at which, which point Broga says, You saved my life. For this, the three families are in your debt. The implication to me is that the other huts are still alive at the end of the Republic story. Having played the two stories side by side, they just feel like separate stories and you should choose one over the other and not one before the other. Despite its free-form nature, there are some significant developments that happen on Quesh. Take the conclusion of the Sith Warrior story. Apprentice, my master Darth Vengeance is distraught. With his covert attack exposed, the Treaty of Coruscant has been broken. And apparently, Moff Maskin did not survive Admiral Monk's ambush. What happened? Admiral Monk must have killed him. Is that so? How interesting. The Treaty of Coruscant is now broken, and we start to get a sense of just how deep Darth Barriss's ambitions lie. In the Jedi Knight story, we are introduced to an important new character, the Emperor's Wrath. What a mystery the Force can be. I came seeking a traitor, but found you instead. The time draws near. You're too late. You won't be killing anyone for the Emperor today. A minor disappointment eclipsed by this curious discovery. You're strong and touched by darkness. That is unexpected. An advantage? Possibly. You may keep the Dark Council traitor. I smell his weakness. He'll die by his own hand, given the chance. What will your master say when you return empty-handed? I'll bring him news of his most hated enemy, the traitor will be forgotten. The Emperor must hear of our meeting. 
I won't disappoint him with delays. Farewell for now. The breaking of the treaty and the status of the Emperor's wrath will soon bleed into other stories. It may not seem like it, but the order of play is tightening. Last thing I want to say about Quesh is after the events there, the smuggler has this conversation with Risha. There was this one little Twi'lek girl who joined us. Best thief I ever met. Got into all sorts of trouble together. We were like sisters, but when Father's organization collapsed, we got separated. I never found out what happened to her. Never too late to find her. If she's as good a thief as you say, she might come in handy. That was a long time ago. Sometimes it's better to leave the past alone. Of course, the Twi'lek that Risha is referring to is none other than Vet, who, if you recall from episode 73, had this to say about Risha. When I was working for Nocturian, doing the pirate thief thing, he had a daughter my age, Risha. It wasn't like Nock was super sweet to her or anything. But he'd call her princess, and I wished I was her. Having someone your own age could be great or terrible, depending. It was great. Always great. Risha was smart and strong. She knew how to do everything around the ship. And I went everywhere with her. Suddenly I had a sister again. For years it was Risha and me against the galaxy and anyone who gave us grief. Did you drift apart? Start to fight? Nothing like that. Eventually, Nock hatched some secret plan that I couldn't be a part of. One that apparently got them both killed. But for a while there, I really was happy. That's it for Quesh. Everybody is sticking together now, and we're all headed to Hoth. From there, it's Belsavis, Voss, and finally Corellia. Not much further to go now. And speaking of traveling, I now want to say a few words about Star Wars Celebration. The event has come a long way since I attended my first one in Anaheim in 2015. I didn't know much about it until March of that year, and I made a spontaneous decision to go. With the event less than a month away, I was able to purchase a four-day pass and a hotel room in the Convention Center Plaza. My, my hotel was right across the street from the Anaheim Hilton. Star Wars Celebration in Chicago is in 10 months, and if you are on the fence about going, I've got bad news for you. The fence has fallen over, and you likely landed on the not-going side. You knew VIP tickets were going to sell out right away, they were gone in mere seconds, and hotels weren't far behind. Next went the five-day passes, and now Saturday is sold out as well. All that remain are individual day passes at 75 bucks a pop and a long Uber ride to the convention from wherever you're staying, which probably isn't close to the event. Despite fan disapproval of The Last Jedi and Solo's weak performance at the box office, interest in Star Wars continues to grow. I jumped on things early and I'm all set to go. I'm 99.9% sure that Bioware will have a presence there and will likely hold a cantina tour. I know several of the influencers and podcasters will be going, as will other players from the AIE Guild. Whether you celebrate Star Wars or Star Wars The Old Republic, it should be a great time, and I look forward to going and meeting old friends and making new ones, and I hope to see some of you there. Final note for today, I have a correction from last week. During my discussion of Terrace, I mentioned that Mola Haxdor was being held prisoner by Darth Melkin. The actual name of the Sith Lord is Melkor Din. Who knew? Probably you guys.
And that's going to wrap it up for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 81 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SotorPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 82, probably around June 26th. Until then, remember the Sith Code, cake is a lie.